Welcome to Simply Financial with Paul Durso, your GPS to retirement. How much risk should you be taking? Not how much risk do you want to take? How much risk do you need to take? Now, your host, Paul Durso. Hi, this is Paul Durso with my co-host, Charlie Bowers. What up, Paul? How you doing, Charlie? Uh, Here we go. Uh, We got a great show in store for you today. We're going to be talking about retirement variables, why our job is always the same, yet always different. It should be variables. quite interesting. Not fixed indexed, but variable. Variable. Okay. All right. Then it variables. Yeah. With an S. Yeah. Okay. Or, all right. Glad we're on the same page here, Charlie. Hey, Paul, I got a question for you. So we know you're pretty good at uh, what you do here at Insight Folios. What kind of job would you be terrible at? Ooh, that's a tough question. Because oh, you're so good at everything? Is that, that where you're going with that? No. Okay. Um, the reason why this is a... That <laughs> could come across arrogant, couldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Not trying to be it. Um, but I, I think the reason why this is a hard one for me is because it would be any job where I'd have to be either completely alone or unable to communicate. So if I were to pick a job, it would have to be a stenographer. 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 The the person in the courtroom that's in the corner typing everything as fast as they can, basically recording everything that's happening, you know, during the the the, the hearing yeah, or the yeah. trial. Mm-hmm. And that would be very, very difficult for me. First, because I'd have to completely transcribe everything in my head to my fingers, and then I'm not allowed to communicate at all. Like you are one hundred percent just a listener in, in, in a typer. And that would be, I think that'd be very tough for me. Cause I'm like, wait, can you repeat that? You know, or, or just want to communicate, like say something and you can't, you just, they don't ever say anything in a courtroom. And I think that would drive me absolutely crazy. I guess I like to talk. Well, I think I see that. Yeah. But you know, if you ask me that question, you know, I probably wouldn't know exactly what to say, except I've seen a few clips of dancing with the stars. And Sean Spicer up there. And I'm thinking, Who? you know, I can't do that. You he used to be dance? press secretary for the president. <laughs> no, I, I'm going to say professional dancer is probably going to be Author. out for me. See, yeah. I, instantly I thought of something with a talent like singing or dancing. And I was like, no, I'm not going to take the easy way out. I see how you are. Okay, that's the easy way, is it? All right, All right. so let's, let's jump into the actual show for today, why people might want to listen. And uh, what we're going to talk about is why... Our business is riddled with things that are always the same yet are always different. I can't tell you how many times people walk into our office and say, now, my, my situation is going to be a little bit unique, a little different. Mm-hmm. And we kind of just nod and go, okay, well, how is it different? And then they'll communicate X to us. And we are kind of look at each other and go, well, we just heard this 15 minutes ago. That's but right. yep, this is different. You know why it's different? You know why you feel that way? It's because it's you. It's, it's your personal. scenario. It's, yeah, personal. it's personal. And it means a lot to you. And that's why you might come in or, or think about your scenario as very unique to you because it mm-hmm. is. So you should continue to feel that way, but also understand the, the variances in our business and why things, although may be always the same, yet always different. So we're going to talk about a couple different questions as we go through the show. The very first one is, how much income will you need? You know, and that's one of the questions that we spend the longest time trying to, to delve into, to dig deeper, to get a, a reasonable expectation of, of what they will need in retirement. This so, is the, in my opinion, our opinion, the most yeah. difficult question, just like Charlie said, that you'll spend the most amount of time on. 
Why? Because it's, it's such a, it's a moving target. Mm -hmm. You know, one, one year you might want to spend a little bit more for reason A and the next year you might spend a lot less because of reason B. But the reality is you're like, you never want to be out of money. So it's a, it's a tough question. So you might be worried about retirement and go, well, I'm not going to need that much money. Or you might be really excited about it going, well, if I can't retire on this, I'm not retiring and have a completely different answer. So how do you lead with that? It's important. You got to do it. You know, you start with, this is what I'm living on now. But yep. once you're in retirement, it's, man, I might want to go travel and see my grandkids over here or just travel to Europe or, you know, what about medical bills? It, it, there's so much that can happen. You, you, you plan for what you can. And then, uh, you know, there's going to be some unknowns even when you come up with that income. Well, one of the things that Charlie and I talk about when we're trying to figure out the answer to this question, it's very simple. What are you living on now? Take out what you're saving to your retirement and what you're putting away in Roths or investment accounts. And then what's left? Don't, don't think about what you're spending in Social Security tax because that's going to go away. And mm -hmm. don't think about what you're saving for retirement because that's going to go away. Everything else is your baseline. Yep. And that's what I would go into retirement going, this is what we're going to live on. Take the guesswork out. Don't, don't go, hey, we can live on 80% or 70% or 50% of our income. No, live on 100% of what you're bringing in with the exception of what you're saving for yep. retirement and, and what you're spending in some taxes that are going to go away. That's a good starting point. Good, good starting point. What's the next one? So... How much will we pay in taxes, Paul? You know, I've always heard, are you going to have less income or you're going to be in a lower tax bracket? Do you, you find that with the people that we've seen? Absolutely. You know, one of the things that makes me chuckle is the fact that people come into the office and say, well, I'm going to spend less taxes in retirement because I'm going to live on less. But we just talked about the fact that we want you to live on the exact same money. Who wants to live on less in retirement? Why are you working so hard? Mm -hmm. You don't work so hard to retire someday on less. You work so hard to retire someday at the same pace of what you're living at today. You don't want to spend less in retirement and then go, well, we're going to spend less taxes. Well, you know, when we were teaching the college classes, we'd ask this question, who wants to live on less? And you wouldn't see a hand go not up. One. Not nobody. So taxes, you're probably going to pay about the same amount of tax in retirement that you're paying today. Actually, with where we're heading in this in political environment, there's a, there's a strong case to be made that you're going to spend more taxes in retirement than you are right now. And if you don't think you need to plan ahead for that, let me tell you, you do. Yep. And if you've got time, now is the time to, to plan for that, you know, in terms of Roths or life insurance for income. There's certain strategies that can help your tax situation once you get to retirement. I just sat down with my CPA last week and we're going over my final tax preparation for the end of this year. And when we were done, he goes, he looks me right in the eye and he says, now I know you're not happy about how much you have to pay in tax, but you better be. And I was like, why? And he's like, because it's only going to get worse from here. Meaning it's not that we're making more to, to spend more in tax, meaning that tax rates are going to change. Mm -hmm. And you better be grateful for where the tax rates are right now. Yeah. And understand people, there is a lowest tax bracket that people don't even think about. You yeah. know, you think, oh yeah, 50% top tax bracket. Well, that 10% bracket might go up to 15 or 20. You just be aware that taxes most are going to go up. Yeah. All right. Next question. And then we're going to take a small little break. The next question is how long should you expect to live? This is a very fun one because we always assume a rate of, or not a rate. We always assume an age that everybody's going to live to. And we don't really say it. It's just built into our plans. And we're going to assume that everybody's going to live to 95. 
And we never really say anything. And then all of a sudden, when we're building the plan, somebody will grab it like, huh, you, you think I'm going to live to 95? And we're like, yeah, why not? And they're like, I am not going to live to 95. Why would you plan for me to live to 95? And we're like, because we don't know. Exactly. Like the couple that came in and, and said, oh, we're both smokers. We don't think we'll make it past 75. Well, Paul, I'm not going to plan for someone just to 75. You know, when it comes to the reality of when you're going to die, nobody knows. So when it comes to planning for that unknown, my advice, plan to live forever. Go so far out on an age that you're like, hey, if I make it to that, then I don't even care after this. Actually, years ago, about 15 years ago, when I was starting out in this business or maybe 18 years ago, um, I, I had this lady in my office and we we're doing her plan. It was, she's really, really funny lady. And we're, we're, we're figuring out how long she wanted me to plan for her to pass on. Like, you know, what age do you want this plan to end? And she goes, you know what? She looks me right in the face. She goes, this plan, just, just plan to get me to dementia. And then after that, I don't care. <laughs> and, but what she was saying is just get me so far out that I won't care anymore. Yeah. And that's kind of been my perspective ever since that meeting. Like, let's go so far out that if we can get to this point, nobody's going to care. All right, let's take a break and play a quick game. We've got a really fun wheel of games, and we're going to do a quick spin on this wheel, and wherever it stops, there's about 10 games listed on this. Wish you could see it, but as we spin, this is going to stop on a game. We're going to play that game and then get right back to the show. So let's spin the wheel. Let's do it. Buy. I'll buy that. Or sell. Sell. All right. It's buy or sell, Paul. Buy or sell? Buy or sell. You're going to make me spend money right now? Well. Or save money? It, this is going to be a good question. And, and, you know, I know my answer or how I'm going about it, but I don't know about you. Wait, how's the game work? I'm going to give you a scenario, and you're going to tell me whether you would, you're buying it or you're not. You like it or you don't. Okay, buy or sell. What buy am I going to do? Here? What's the question? This has to do with extended warranties extended. you like them do you buy them or are you just going to pass can i say it depends you can say anything you want to because this is tough it definitely <laughs> whips you off because i mean if it's a certain type of thing like um a car mm -hmm. i might be very apt to say absolutely depending on what the warranty is for if it's on tires depending on the cost of the tire and the car, if it's on like the windshield or something like that, I'd be like, ah, I'll, I'll be okay with that. On a phone, depending on how long I'm going to keep it, I'd probably be open to that. So I guess it, it, it's a big depends with me because there's certain warranties. Like if you buy things online, it says you want to sign up for the four-year warranty, like on computers, perfect mm -hmm. example. We buy a lot of computers here. We're growing. Every time that thing pops up, heck no, I'll buy a new one. There, in my opinion, computers really serve a, a very specific purpose. And when you reach that level, like, oh, let's move on. It's time to upgrade the technology. I don't want a warranty on it because I'm not going to keep it for five or seven or 10 years. But there are other things that you know you're going to keep for five years and I'm going to upgrade. I'll make a change. I don't need a warranty beyond that. Okay. You've, you've pretty much greased every slide <laughs> that you could go. It used to be that Lori and I were 100 percent against extended warranties that the salesman would be in there for whatever it was and say you know you've got the the manufacturer's warranty for a year but we can extend that warranty and Lori would just point a finger at him and 
are you telling me your product is not good beyond one year? Is that why you're trying to sell me this warranty? And they'd all, uh, uh, uh. and so we never would get I can't see her do that. Well, no, because you're on the radio. <laughs> then one time we went and got the sectional for our den. Mm-hmm. Hey, you want an extended you got warranty? A den? The living room, but not a living room, but the who uses area. den? Okay, seriously, I feel like I'm talking to my grandpa right now. All right, here we go, <laughs> young whippersnapper. <laughs> so we we bought the, the the sectional, but we refused to get the extended warranty like we usually do. Uh huh. For, for so, your den, so we put it in. What do you call it? I don't know. I don't, I don't know what a den is. Great room, <laughs> family room. Well, we've got a dog Tanner. We, we put the sectional in, and within 30 minutes, he had found a pen and jumped up on the footrest and had written all over the footrest. With an extended warranty, we could have gotten the whole thing replaced. No, wait, wait. You had this couch for 30 minutes? 30 minutes, yeah. He, <gasps> he, didn't, he didn't waste any time. So 30 minutes, this couch was defaced. Defaced. And because you didn't have an extended warranty, it was... You clean it the best you can, and you smile and go on. Oh, yeah, Tanner did that. Yeah. Do you still have that couch in Denver? We right do now? have that couch. But here, here's the kicker now. We still have Tanner, and we just bought a new sofa for the kitchen. Did you get the extended warranty? What do you think I did? <laughs> did you? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we have pins, and we have Tanner. We got the extended <laughs> warranty this time. So, you know, I might be a little wishy-washy, too, but it didn't take me nearly as long as it did you to go through that. So. Well, I will say extended warranties... <laughs> in the right situation are very valuable. Cause that's really what we're talking about here. Is, is it worth the cost? Is there value there? Cause at the end of the day, there are extended warranties that are just expensive and there's mm-hmm. no value. And then there's ones that serve a purpose, which is probably some financial planning top or tips. I mean, I guess there, that's right? kind of like long-term care that people think regular long-term care, traditional, Hey, if I'm not going to use, you know, I've wasted all that money. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the way we see extended warranties. So. All right, so let's get back into why retirement planning has so many variables and we think it's so unique, yet it's always the same, yet always different at the same time. So the next question we're going to tackle here really is, when should I start Social Security? And typically, we like to go through someone's plan uh, when they ask that question when we're discussing it, just so that you can see the scenarios. Because if you decide to delay so you get a, a higher amount later, you're living off of your nest egg money in order to, to delay. If you take it right away, then you don't have to spend that nest egg money. You're spending Uncle Sam's. It's not really Uncle Sam's. I know that it's money that you contributed, but you don't have to spend your own nest egg early on up front. So it, it's really a, a family by family basis, person to person basis scenario. But the question is, how important is it to you to get that money up front? So here's why I stand on this. And, and this, is, I, this is one topic that I feel is very manila. I would say this is where I pretty much give blanket advice every single time. If you're retired and you qualify for Social Security, I can tell you right now, I'm going to recommend you take it. Why would you spend your assets down to hope to get more Social Security later and also hope that the government's not going to change the deal on you? Yeah. We know bankruptcies right around or insolvencies right around the corner for social security. Why would you flirt with them potentially changing? Cause it's only going to hurt their wealthy. I mean, let, let's be truth be told here. If they're going to hurt anybody with social security, it's going to be people that qualify for certain things. If you are not going to qualify for those income levels, then sure roll the dice, mm-hmm. but I'm not even sure that's going to work. But at the end of the day, 
you're flirting with disaster. So if you can take and spend any amount of money, I'm going to spend social security first and just deal with it and allow my money to go to work for my future and not put risk or, or hope in the hands of uncle Sam. Because I tell you what, that guy's pretty disappointing more often than not. And I would not just put, put my chips in his hand and say, Hey, just treat me good. Just don't hurt me. And you, and you typically have to live at least to 80 before you break even by delaying taking your social security. I mean, truth be told, the math behind it, the longer you wait, the better it's going to make. The Always. longer you live. Always. If you can Always. live to 95, then... But when are you going to spend money? Yep. When you retire at 62 or 65 or when you're 80? You know, the dollar is going to be the same. The cost of living adjustments, that's one of the things Uncle Sam will probably... Well, he's going to adjust how much of with. it's taxed. Yeah. And, I mean, there's so many things that they can do. Means testing, change how it's taxed. I mean... There's a lot of things that are going to hurt you. I'd rather you start that, that stream of income sooner than later. I know it's blanket advice. I mean, we run the plan just like talk Charlie said, but at the end of the day, my advice is probably not going to change because it's, it's money in hand yeah. and that's worth so much. All right, next question. How much money should be at risk when you retire? This is a big one. Well, you've asked the question. Now I'm going to have to ask you, what do you mean by at risk? I can put money in a mattress and that money is still at risk to inflation. So, well, this is, this is interesting. So you're, you're listening to this show right now and, and you hear us say, how much money should you put at risk? What instantly comes to your mind? My guess is you're thinking, well, anything I can lose money with. Well, what Charlie just brought up is any money can be worth less. It's just depending on how you view it. You're probably thinking, and rightfully so, how much can be robbed kind of overnight, visually, like realistically where the market drops and I'm seeing bad things, a whole lot of red in my portfolio. Mm. So the question here is how much money should be put at risk when you're in that retirement phase of, of life? What's the answer to that? What do you think? Well, you, Paul, it, it really comes down to how much risk do you need to be taking? You know, back in question one, we tried to figure out how much income you were going to want in retirement. Well, how much income you need may impact how much of your assets need to be at risk, you know, just depending on what at risk means. You know, we, we tend to learn a lot in this business. And I would say very few times I go into meetings and come out and not have learned something. And for many years, we've looked at this question specifically, and we've kind of flipped it around and kind of Charlie alluded to that is, you know, how much risk should you be taking? Not how much risk do you want to take? How much risk do you need to take? And where I'm at now, I've, I've kind of changed that again. And now I'm thinking, well, let's, let's take out the, the understanding of risk and basically insert the understanding of going to work. Because the reality is the only reason why you'd want to put anything to risk is because what you're going to get back in return. Well, what if we take the narrative of risk and replace it to work? How much of your money do you not want to put to work? So if you think about it like that, well, you'd say none. I want it all to work for me. That's right. Well, to go to work, you have to take risks. So the reality is, is how much are you going to get paid to go to work? And how much are you willing to take your money and not put it to work? Because the value of what you're getting paid isn't worth the risk that you take to go to work. So for me and for what we do here, it's not about just risk. It's about, it's about what you get paid for the work that you do when you invest in, in whatever you're going to go buy. Because we've got problems to solve here. We've got plans to create. We've got scenarios and situations and people to deal with and what they have to go through day in and day out. And that's important stuff. 
And in order to deal with that properly, we have to know how hard their money has to work. So the reality of this question is very unique to every single situation, more so than any other question we talked about, because your need of what you have to produce from your money is going to be different for every single one of you. It's not going to be manila like, hey, take Social Security as soon as you get it. This is going to be, no, this particular amount of money has to go to work to generate the revenue you need. There's nothing you can do about it or live on less. Do you want to live on less? We already went over that. No, I don't think so. No, you don't. (laughs) So the reality is you've got to put some of you, most of you probably have to put every dime you have to work. And the reality is why wouldn't you want to put your money to work? Exactly. If you understand the rewards behind it. All right. Well, that pretty much wraps up today's show. If you've had any questions specific or really feel that your scenario is truly unique. I want to hear about that. I do too. (laughs) So give us a call. 704-529-9500. Again, 704-529-9500. 9,500. You can email us, visit our website at insightfolios.com. We'd love to hear from you. Other than that, that's a wrap. We'll see you. Now for our fast-talking fine print. The information presented is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax investment or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered through Insight Folios, Inc., a SEC-registered investment advisor. The firm only transacts business in states where it is notice filed or is excluded or exempted from notice filing requirements. Insurance products and services are offered through Durso Capital Management Company. Insight Folios, Inc. and Durso Capital Management Company are affiliated companies and do not offer legal or tax advice. Paul Alderso and Charles B. Bowers Jr. are investment advisor representatives of Insight Folios, Inc. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.